January 1981. Ronald Reagan has just been sworn in as the new president. The Iranians immediately decide to free the hostages. Maybe they're getting back at Carter. Maybe they fear the new cowboy in charge. Regardless, Ronnie got the hostages free, and it took like five minutes. That's the legend. Let's back up a bit. Remember that crisis of confidence speech from episode one? The one where Carter got us all kind of depressed? Not a good way to start a podcast. It is a crisis of confidence. That was from 1979, the end of a fucked up decade that followed a fucked up decade before it. Yeah, somewhere in that first fucked up decade, we got to the moon. But other than that, assassinations gave us Nixon. Nixon lost a war. Nixon lost his job. We had Watergate. We were waiting in lines to fill our cars with gasoline. And now Iran, they've taken our hostages and we can't get them out. Losing that war cast a long shadow and we saw it come to the movies. What the fuck had happened to us? You want to know how we felt? Well, if you went to the movies on August 15th, 1979, Apocalypse Now had the answer. Apocalypse Now, a movie that more or less asked, what the fuck is even happening? Here's Roger Ebert reviewing that movie in 1979. You can find that now on RogerEbert.com. Ebert writes, Coppola also well knows and demonstrated in the Godfather films that movies aren't especially good at dealing with abstract ideas. For those, you'd be better off turning to the written word but they are superb for presenting moods and feelings, the look of a battle, the expression on a face, the mood of a country. This is me now. Yeah, the mood of a country, saying what the fuck happened. Back to Ebert. Apocalypse Now achieves greatness not by analyzing our experience in Vietnam, but by recreating in characters and images something of that experience. What the fuck had happened to us? If you haven't watched Apocalypse Now in a while, you should. It's a beautiful film. The entire time, Martin Sheen has a look of, like, what the fuck is going on? That's us, wondering what happened. There's Robert Duvall in the middle of the chaos wearing, is that a cowboy hat? Back to Ebert. Coppola doesn't have an ending. If we or he expected the closing scenes to pull everything together and make sense of it, nobody should have been surprised. And to me... The 1970s had no proper ending either, and probably didn't really end until January of 1981. The 1970s hadn't been so great. Watergate, the fall of Saigon, a crisis of confidence. Then, eight weeks before the finish line of 1980, the 70s had one more trick up its sleeve for America. On November 4th, 66 Americans were taken hostage in Iran. So what's the reaction? Fuck it, let's do something! Operation Eagle Claw! You've seen this kind of scene in the movies. We'll send in some helicopters and elite ground force. We'll get those hostages out. We're America, baby. We can do this. Cowboy diplomacy. Let me take a beat here and change my tone of voice. Some heroes died that day. They gave their lives trying to save others. And I don't want to do some sarcastic copy read and ignore their sacrifice. Operation Eagle Claw. We sent in Delta Force eight helicopters but only five still operational by the time of the mission. One had hydraulic issues, one caught in a sandstorm, and another might have had a cracked rotor blade. The mission called for at least six helicopters to be operational, or the mission would be scrubbed, and it was. As they prepared to withdraw, one of the helicopters crashed into a transport aircraft. That aircraft contained servicemen and fuel. Caught fire, eight heroes died. Those heroes... Sergeant John D. Harvey, Corporal George N. Holmes Jr., Staff Sergeant Dewey Johnson, Major Richard L. Bakke, 
Major Harold L. Lewis Jr., Tech Sergeant Joel C. Mayo, Captain Lynn D. McIntosh, and Captain Charles T. McMillan all died on that mission. Did I just buzzkill your podcast listening? Yeah, I did that on purpose. Remember those men. My podcast isn't about history. It's about the history we package, the history that's sold, the story we tell. We tell the story of how Ronald Reagan saved the day and the hostages were freed. But history tells us Carter had never given up. On January 19th, 1981, and I'll remind you, Reagan was sworn in on the 20th. On the 19th, the U.S. and Iran signed the Algiers Accords. The short version there is we unfroze some Iranian assets and they gave us back the hostages. On January 19th, under Carter. But never let facts get in the way of a good story. Chalk one up for cowboy diplomacy. The hostage situation changed the way we covered news. ABC started a show called America Held Hostage. You know it as its rebrand, Nightline. The Vanderbilt Historical Review points out that the phrasing in the title of that ABC series was America Held Hostage, not Americans, America. The review quotes ABC News anchor Frank Reynolds following Operation Eagle Claw, saying, We tried, we failed, and we have paid a price. In an age before the 24-7 cable news and Twitter endless information cycle, we in America followed the crisis as it was known day in and day out. We were losing. I don't know what the score was or what the contest was, but whatever it was, we were losing. On July 4th, 1979, here's what the New York Post wrote. The American paradox is bleakly apparent. As a nation, we appear to have become steadily more dependent on forces seemingly beyond our control, losing confidence in our ability to master events uncertain of our direction. Yikes. That mindset was showing up in the movies. Even in our fantasies, we were losing. May 1980s, The Empire Strikes Back, you know, Star Wars 2, the great movie? That ended with the good guys on the run. And although Superman 2 came out in June of Reagan's first year, the losing mindset was still there. When General Zod comes to the Oval Office and insists the Gerald Ford-looking president kneels before Zod, he does. TV was changing too. On February 14, 1980, Uncle Walter started to say goodbye. Walter Cronkite announced his retirement. He'd stick around for a year, but by mid-1981, Dan Rather was in the chair and would become the soundtrack for a lot of the news events of the decade. On June 1st, a 24-hour news channel, Cable News Network, you know it as CNN, that was launched. But the stunning one, if you're of a certain age, that May, Richie and Ralph left Happy Days. You know how that went. The original cast of Saturday Night Live did their last episode that May as well. Hawaii 5 said goodbye that April. The 70s were over, man. Music was starting to change, too. A band called The Buggles had a hit. Video killed the radio star. It would become an MTV anthem. In 1980, both NXS and U2 put out their first albums. The old guard was still around. That spring, John Lennon was on vacation when he heard a band called the B-52s. He told Rolling Stone that they sound like Yoko Ono's music. Quoting John, So I said to myself, it's time to get out the old axe and wake the wife up. On August 4th, Lennon hit the studio to begin recording the Double Fantasy album. The album came out on November 17th to not-so-great reviews. Soon, circumstance would give this album a lift. Otherwise, it's probably on par with McCartney 2. That lift came on December 8th, 1980. America's watching Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football was a very, very big deal back in the day, drawing about 20 million viewers for a game. And while John Smith lines up to kick a field goal for the Patriots with three seconds on the clock, 
Now keep in mind here, the visual of this is a guy kicking a field goal. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank? Indeed it is. The Dolphins blocked the kick, and the game went to overtime. The Dolphins won 16-13. Remember, this was a time before cell phones and Twitter and all that. The people at the game would have had no way to know what happened. Lennon was dead, and with him, both the 1960s and the 1970s. As you sat on the living room couch that December of 1980, you had to feel like you were in year 11 of the 70s. What the fuck had happened to us? It was day 400-something of the crisis. On Christmas Eve, Ronald Reagan said, I don't think you pay ransom for people that have been kidnapped by barbarians. He was asked if that was some sort of warning to the Iranians. Reagan said no, but added, But if they got a message out of it that they shouldn't be waiting for me, I'd be very happy. The hostages were released on January 20th, 1981. The 70s were over. It was morning in America, and there were good times to come. We wouldn't think about Iran again until 1987 and something called Iran-Contra that almost single-handedly blew up the Reagan myth, but that's another episode. Until then, enjoy Happy Days starring Ted McGinley as Cousin Roger. Season 8, Episode 7 aired December 30th, 1980. It's an episode where we find out if the Fonz is voted Teacher of the Year. Yeah. What the fuck happened to us? Give it three weeks. Ronnie's got this. Our country's days of apologizing are over. America is standing tall again, and don't let anyone tell you we're any less dedicated to peace because we want a strong America. Music on this podcast includes Soviet March by Shane Ivers, available under Creative Commons Attribution at SilvermanSound.com. This theme under me right now is called Apple for the Preacher, also by Shane Ivers, also at SilvermanSound.com under that same Creative Commons Attribution. Ride of the Valkyries, performed in 1921 by the American Symphony Orchestra, that track from Gutenberg.org. Research credits to RogerEbert.com, the Reagan Library, and the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. Cowboy Diplomacy is a production of The Shark Deck. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows, man. And my friends, I said this the other day, and it's worth keeping on saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, uh, well, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. <laughs>